Vince is off today. I'm Libby Collins. And, of course, he's, he's spending time with his family, as many people are this time of the year. And you're kind of basking in that afterglow of the Christmas holidays, sitting by the fire with your family. But not everybody's so lucky. Um, there are a lot of women and their kids who are facing homelessness right here in Milwaukee. And the Cathedral Center has assisted thousands of them throughout the years. And joining us on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline is Donna ranholt Ligon. She is the Executive Director of the Cathedral Center. And Donna, I know, you know a lot of people this time of the year, they don't want to hear a down story, but, but there are a lot more women and, and little kids than we'd like to think who you have to help, especially at this time of the year. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, I, I think that um, the number of people that are outside today are far more than we ever expected. Why are you seeing that increase? Is it more than it has been in the past several years? Yeah, we've seen an uptick this year, and I think that it's, uh, it's the after effects of the eviction moratorium that's still lagging on and, and um, unemployment, but also I think that, um, that we just simply don't have enough affordable housing. Now tell us so what there's always, you, yeah, go ahead. There's always, there's always a need for a front door. There's always a need for emergency shelter. Um, yeah, so and now us, we need the next step. Yeah, tell us about the services that you offer at Cathedral Center. Yeah, so Cathedral Center provides emergency shelter and emergency housing, and we have two locations. Um, and between the two locations, we can accommodate up to 18 families with children. That includes, you know, uh, one or two parent households or sometimes multi-generational families, which we're seeing more of lately. Um, and then we can also serve up to 32 unaccompanied women each night. That's interesting that you said there's more multi-generational families that you're seeing than in the past. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, um, we have our support systems, and we bring our support systems with them with us when we, when we have need, right? Um, and so sometimes the way that you get by is by combining households. Um, and how, you go to stay with your mom. Yeah. How long do you see uh, the families that you serve staying at the center? So they're staying about, you know, two to three months um, uh, for women and um, about the full three to six months for families. At our emergency shelter, they can stay up to 90 days, and at our emergency housing program, they can stay up to two years. And in that time, what do you do to help them to, to fight homelessness so they're not in this position again? Well, thank you for asking, because that's the other part of our mission. So we provide a safe environment for women and families, but then we also work to end homelessness. So we do that by providing support in our employment program. We have partnerships with employers um, locally who will work with us to help people increase their earned income. Um, we have case management services, clinical case management, and then comprehensive case management services at the shelter. And they work with them to create goals around increasing income and securing safe housing and then taking care of their health and well-being. Um, we have a child and family program that helps parents um, to um, uh, to get the parenting resources they need, but then also provides drop-in services for when people, uh, when parents want to go to the computer lab to update their resume or if they um, need to meet with their case manager. So we try to do the whole comprehensive piece while they're in shelter or in the emergency housing program. And then, if we can, we'll try to catch them before they even become homeless 
if they've received an eviction notice or if they found that they can't pay the rent, we do have a community case management program that helps them prevent the need to even come into shelter. And Donna, I know as we're turning over into the new year of 2024, you are launching an empowerment challenge to help the families that you serve. Yes, we are. Um, So every year on March 8th during um, International Women's Day, we launch the Empowerment Challenge. It's our first fundraising goal of the year, and we've already secured $25,000 in base contributions. And those donors are hoping that people will match that $25,000 so we can kick off the new year successfully. And we use that money um, to help um, in the prevention program because a lot of that is really privately funded. Um, as well as our follow-up services, and then helping people to pay rent, security deposit, um, sometimes an electric bill, sometimes buying grocery cards for them. Um, And then we also want people in the community to take the challenge, not just in, in financial contributions, but to empower women in their lives. And I know you're always looking for volunteers. We are. We really rely heavily on volunteers. Pre-pandemic, we were up to about 1,400 individual human beings who came in through our doors annually to help us, primarily through serving a meal, um, but also in other, you know, done-in-a-day activities and that kind of thing. When the pandemic hit, we really, our volunteer program had to be shut down. Um, And so now we're slowly trying to build back. We're not quite back fully to where we want to be. So I'd really encourage people to reach out and try to help with with their time. And tell us how to do that. So you can call Rachel, she's our volunteer coordinator, and our phone number is 831-0394. Donna Ranholt-Mygan from Cathedral Center, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. It's 814. Coming up next, we've got Traffic with Debbie. It's all on Wisconsin Morning News. It's 827. I know we've been touching on this throughout the morning that uh, today kicks off the busiest time in the year for cyber dating and we've got two bachelors here matt sossler sports desk tommy warts you've been uh helping us out in production all morning long now you guys are both single right as a pringle oh yeah okay have either of you ever tried online dating uh yeah my last relationship was an online dating website or app and how and how about you matt i've dabbled with it but really haven't seen it through Okay, now, what was the greatest challenge both of you had when you were, as you said, you, you were trying it. You were seeing how it went for you. Uh, I would guess the initial, the initial part, right, like starting things up. It's always odd to just, you know, you, you don't have the, like, hey, what's your name? And their name's listed right there kind of thing. So you got to kind of try to figure out something else to start off with. And then once you get things going from there, it becomes a little bit easier. When you first uh, decide to reach out to somebody, was, were you drawn to their photos or to the content of what they had on their page? Uh, I would say like that, that plays into both, right? I mean, you want someone with common interests, but it is flawed in that way that it is very, I mean, visually drawing at first to the way the apps are set up. In other words, it's superficial. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, or how, how about you? Same thing? You I'd say the same the thing. First? The toughest thing is just trying to initiate a, con- a point of contact just because there's not that face-to-face. But 
it depends on what app you use. Some apps emphasize different things over others, and then uh, you just go from there and try and figure things out. You know, Libby, I know you're asking about this with myself and Matt, but I believe the man with the fiance. He's a Tinder legend here. That, that was a direct quote from Brian Noonan. Yeah. yeah, he dubbed me that very early when I started working here. And yes, my fiance and I, we have been together uh, over four years now, and we were a Tinder success story. We met on the dating app uh, in the summer of 2019, and we are planning our wedding for next October. I can one up you, Adam. Oh, I met my husband on eHarmony. And we've been married almost 15 years. I so think how about that? My dad and my stepmom met on e as well back in the day. See, so it really does work. Well, I'll tell you what. We've got somebody joining us in a, about three or four minutes, and she is the world's most renowned cyber dating expert. You hear what she has to say about, well, if you're thinking about starting an online search today on the busiest time of the year for cyber dating. Say 30 right now, though. Let's turn it over to Adam Roberts in the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Of course, we were talking to young Tommy and young Matt about their online dating experiences. Adam shared that that's how he met his fiance. But are you aware the majority of online daters are 30 years old and up? Well, joining us on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline is cyber dating expert, Julie Spira. And Julie, I think that, that statistic surprises a lot of people. It does surprise a lot of people, and um, it really shouldn't. Um, the way that singles are meeting right now are through online dating apps, and that's because and a lot of that really, you know, kind of skyrocketed during the pandemic, but it was still the most popular way. People aren't meeting friends from their friends. They're not, meeting, they're not getting set up. They're getting frustrated. They're taking the online dating and oh, the holidays, the pressure of the holidays, and they didn't have a date on Christmas. So today is the first day of peak season for online dating, where we're going to see an enormous amount of activity leading into Valentine's Day. Now, I know you've been doing this for over 25 years. So you were there at the very beginning of when this whole cyber dating trend began. What are some of your top tips, three top tips that you would give to people if they're saying, okay, this is going to be the year, I'm, I'm getting back in that pool, and it starts today? Where should they begin? It starts today. Well, if you have a profile, I am guaranteeing it's stale with old photos. So the first thing you need to do is update your dating profile. I call it like the digital facelift. Um, find more recent photos. You got a new puppy, post a picture with the puppy. If you return from a vacation over the holidays, post photos of your vacation shots. And, and of course, caption them so people can see that where you were and, and what you did so it gives a little more flavor to your profile and that's the most important thing and it's daunting for a lot of people so i do say enlist the service of a friend who's got a great camera or a great you know camera on their mobile phone and um and the dating coach to help you shine and look your best because you will if you do a great job updating your profile you're going to get Tons and tons of matches, and then you need to sift through them to find the one that's best for you. Should you Photoshop your your pictures? People do. I say don't, but, you know, there's a difference between just slightly changing it and brightening up um, as compared to just making it so 
Photoshop that you don't see a wrinkle anywhere and you don't look like yourself. You know, there's nothing worse than not looking like yourself. And you do need to show the best version of yourself. So no selfie photos, things like that. But, you know, you see these photos and it's instantly going, okay, too smooth. Uh, they don't look their age. And maybe somebody will swipe left because they don't think you're going to look like the photos that you present. You know, how do you boost your profile so you get to appear at the top of a search? Yeah, and I love the boost feature. So if you're on a bunch of dating apps, and I don't, I recommend only three, maybe it's, maybe it's Match and Tinder and Bumble, usually they have a feature called Boost um, where the algorithms do your magic and you'll get one free boost a month or you can pay some extra ones. But that will help you become more visible at the top of a search for 30 to 60 minutes. And, um, you know, use those on Mondays or Sunday nights, probably between 7 and 10 p.m. And this way, people will view your profile more uh, because there are over 400 million singles around the world using dating apps. Why do you say Sunday and Monday nights are the best? Well, the reason I, I find Sunday nights, and we have all the statistics that back it up, is you've just finished a weekend and you went on three bad dates. Okay, that doesn't mean you should completely stop. You might feel frustrated and you're going, you know what? I didn't really have a great day this weekend. It's a new week. Push the restart button. Let's start over again. Or you stayed home and you didn't have any dates and you really want to go from being single to being a couple. So those two issues of really the weekend, whatever activity you had or not, will really define why you have the time on Sunday and Monday nights. Usually the nights people aren't going out as much, uh, and that's the time that I recommend boosting your profile, maybe only cost a few dollars. Uh, see the views that people have, um, have seen when you, when you go on your, when you use a boost. Um, many of the dating apps and dating sites will allow you to view your profile um, to see who's viewed you. And if you have 10, 15 new views and one or two or three are interesting, write to them. Don't wait, initiate. Ah, Julie, and also, and I, I, I have to admit, I did this myself. I, I mentioned a little while ago, I met my husband online. But one of the reasons I met him is I widened my search. I was living just outside Chicago, and, well, I went up about 50 miles or so and met my husband in Wisconsin, and that's how I ended up living in Milwaukee. And those stories, I hear them every day. So I always say, you know, don't let distance be a barrier to finding love. People can work from home often, and they also, um, if you find the right one, you pick up and leave because, you know, that's what it's all about is really finding that meaningful connection. And if you don't cast a wide net and you limit your search to within 10 to 20 miles of where you're living, you're not going to have a full day card. You may get frustrated with the process and you may just stop. So widen that search. And Julie Spira, as we've said, you, you've been doing this for over 25 years. Not only are you a cyber dating expert, you are a dating coach. And if any of our fans out there want to reach out and find out more about you, how do they do it? Is it me? It's cyberdatingexpert.com. And uh, take a peek at the, de- at the website. 
and send a message or go ahead and text me because I always say, you know, when you really have something at top of mind, don't let your message get to the bottom of an inbox. You can easily text me and my phone number is on my contact form at cyberdatingexpert.com. Julie, thanks so much for getting up early with us today. Thank you for having me. It's 834. We're at 40 degrees at WTMJ. Hey, we got a good thing. Don't know if I'm going to see you again. It's 851. I don't know. Is that Matt Miller music? Maybe it is. We're getting down with Matt. Uh, he, of course, is the media critic and pop culture editor at oddmilwaukee.com. Can you get down with that? I, I don't think I can get down to anything. I am the least getting down person of all time. <laughs> I am deeply uncool. <laughs> I think I just found a new soundbite for Week in Review, uh, Libby, by the way. Can you get down with that? From Libby <laughs> oh, Collins. I like that. I like that. Thank you so much, Adam. Hey, listen, talking about getting down with things, there is a movie I am really excited to see. As the mother of an attorney who's also a professional wrestler, I can't wait to see Iron Claw. Yeah, this is the new A24 sports drama starring very buff Zac Efron, a very buff Jeremy Allen White, a.k.a. the guy from The Bear. Uh, it is a drama about the Von Erich family, big family of wrestlers. Now, I don't want to spoil too much of what happens to them. This is based on a true story, so it's hard to spoil real life. Uh, but it is a it is a sad true story. Uh, but it has also gotten great reviews right now. It is really kind of this uh, un kind of quiet gem coming out at the end of the year. You have all these Oscar movies coming out this time of year, and this drama's kind of come out of nowhere to kind of really be a favorite at the very end. Yeah, I'm very excited to check this one out. This is one, again, it is not the feel-good Christmas movie of the season, uh, but it is, I think, definitely worth people's time. And uh, Zac Efron is a really interesting performer. I think he can be really funny when people give him the opportunity to. And I think he can be really good in a serious role when there's some meat on it. And this movie gives him that. Hey, Matt, it's... Th- hey, Matt, sorry, yeah, Adam, Libby. Uh, um, yeah. Matt, I was noticing, so a lot of my Twitter followers and people I follow are from the wrestling universe because I used to commentate for professional wrestling and I still follow it to this day. One of the things I saw with this movie, a lot of people are panning the performance of Aaron Dean Eisenberg, who plays the nature boy Ric Flair in this movie. I think that's how a Woo! lot of people in that way. Yeah, you, do it, Libby. Do it again. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that one in. But yeah, I saw Sorry. a lot of people panning Aaron's performance, and I was kind of surprised because, I mean, he's such a larger-than-life personality. How could you ever compare to the actual person? He's trying his best. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, I, I would assume he's kind of a smaller part in the movie because uh, it seems pretty focused on the Von Erich family. Right. But second of all, yeah, like, how are you going to compete with how are you going to compete with the actual Ric Flair? That is just, and if you tried to recreate him on screen, you probably would come off like a goofus, you know, because he is so iconic and so unique and such a one-of-a-kind performer that if you tried to do what he did, you would come off like looking like a, a doofus. So I, I think the guy probably tried his best in the Iron Claw. I, I, th- I think that it is going to be an interesting film, but changing pace completely, let's go a little more highbrow, with Maestro, which is streaming on Netflix, there was a little bit of controversy about Bradley Cooper's appearance in this one. Yeah, he's playing Leonard Bernstein in this biopic, and he, he wears a fake nose, 
to kind of appear more like Leonard Bernstein, but he is uh, also Leonard Bernstein is a Jewish person. And there was some feeling of like, oh, is this kind of, you know, insensitive? I think that's kind of, you know, the Internet maybe needing something to complain about and something to, you know, make a controversy about. I don't think there was really as much hubbub about that uh, as, as was reported. I think maybe it's one of those things where, you know, we, we wrote up a lot of articles about there being controversy, despite there not being that many people complaining about a controversy. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is their kind of big Oscar play. Netflix's big Oscar play, Bradley Cooper's big Oscar play. I'll be interested to see, because there's this energy around this movie and around Bradley Cooper, kind of like Lady Gaga, where it's like, oh, he really wants an Oscar. And there's this weird thing with the Academy Awards where the more you act like you want an Oscar, the less people want to give you an Oscar. <laughs> You're supposed to want an Oscar, but not want it that bad. And there's this vibe around the movie that everyone's just like, we get it, Bradley Cooper. You really want an award, and you really want to make an important drama. And I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of I kind of like the A Star is Born remake he did. I think he's turned out to be a pretty interesting actor and director. I think he's been a perfect rocket raccoon in the Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy movies, too. Nobody I, could do I, that better. <laughs> no one could do that better. Yeah, it's it's kind of an odd thing of, of people kind of turning Bradley Cooper into the villain of this year's Oscar season, which I imagine will only continue because this is going to get nominated for a bunch of Oscars and a bunch of awards and might even win a few of them. Uh, it does feel like best actor right now is between him and Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer. So we'll see what happens and if, if the, the kind of villain of the season mode sticks through all the way till March. Okay, finally, and you mentioned remakes, the color purple. Uh, is it, you know, is it just something that you want to see or is it, well, I already saw it, so why go see it again? Well, this is going to be different from the version that you saw uh, 30 or 40 years ago from Steven Spielberg. This is based on the musical adaptation of the, the Color Purple. They took the book and turned it into a Broadway musical. I believe it won a bunch of Tony Awards, certainly got nominated for a bunch. And now that has been adapted into a Hollywood movie. And yeah, I, I think this is kind of a different version of the Color Purple. I think obviously trying to put, you know, kind of the... Uh, obviously, it is a sad story in many cases, a very powerful story of, of going through hardship, but it is also trying to emphasize the sisterhood bond and kind of the, the, the endurance of the human spirit, even in the worst of situations. And you have these big musical numbers. Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting one, too, when it comes to award season. Will this one kind of sneak in? I think it depends a lot on how it performs at the box office. If this turns into a small kind of surprise holiday hit, I could see the Oscars wanting to give this one another look and get, make sure it gets some awards attention. But if it kind of falls through, like many recent movie musicals have, uh, Dear Evan Hansen and West Side Story and, and, and In the Heights, I, I could see maybe this one kind of fading out in terms of awards conversation. Interesting. Matt Miller from OnMilwaukee.com. Always great to have you here. No, thanks for having me, and Merry Christmas a day late. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas to you as well. I'm Libby Collins. Coming up after the news, Brian Noonan is here for Steve Scafidi on WTMJ Now.